Facebook media buying is not the key to growing a business. That's just a fact. It is just a source of attention and eyeballs that feed the machine that grows the business. A lot of times you need the retention side as well as the ad side. You need the conversion rate optimization side as well as the ad side. People are following two and a half services on average at six and a half K total on our down sell, which ends up being the same as what one service would have been on the other one. They end up paying the same, but just getting more. All right, we are back with another one. You have yourself, Nick Shavaport, Joshua Johnson, and the one, the only, Eddie Maloof. Eddie, how are you doing, brother? I'm awesome, man. Excited to chat with you two today. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Dude, of course. This is something that, like, in this space, in, in the area of agency, in the area of creation and growth, um, we've been we've been circling each other for quite a while on very different areas. Like, I believe... There's info and there's e-com and there's team growth. And it's something that I, I have been very appreciative of, of becoming to know you as a, as a man, a lovely husband, have a full, have a little baby on the way. Like I've been able to see you kind of build, not on the way, she's here, uh, but I've been He's able here. to see you kind of build with this. And I really respect the way that you're doing it the right way. There's very few people that uh, actually do it the right way. And I, and I believe that you uh, confidently can feel that way. Was that an intentional from the start? It was just like, I know who I am. I'm going to build it this way for sure. Yeah, 100%. Um, so I, this isn't my first business um, that I've experienced in. I think that's helped a bit too. Um, I used marketing originally as a skill set that I learned to grow my family's companies. Um, so I got to get really involved in operations. Uh, we franchised one of our businesses. I took it from not a franchise to a franchise. So I got to learn things like documenting SOPs and making processes duplicatable, et cetera. So from that same point, I got that experience. Um, and something I've always learned from my father, man, my father, you know, he, he, he told me some stories like, cause he comes from the middle East. He has yeah. friends that do not so awesome, uh, business activities that make tens of millions of dollars. And, you know, as a kid, I used to be like, wow, I'll look how much money this guy has. Like, that's sick. Like whatever. And my, my dad always taught me like, it's not it's not the money that you make, it's how you make the money that you make. And um, that kind of stuck with me for a while. And so I was very intentional yeah. from the beginning. Even if I didn't have money, someone had a problem, I would give them a refund. You know what I mean? I, I didn't, I never, I always strayed away from bad activities and I believe that sometime in the future it will come back. Well, I mean, what's important about this is like you, not all, not all the, not all dollars are green. Like you shit, you can't take all the dollars. And I think in our space, when you start learning these skills of media or agency or growth, to cash flowing business, like if you do it and you work hard and you get it to the place where it should be, it will make you money. And so to do that correctly and to be confident about it, I, I think is it just goes a long way and it shows. I mean, it shows why a lot of other agency owners do care about you and follow you because you have you have an event and you have a literal, I don't want to call it a book, but you have like a, a manual, a transcript that you do send out to people. Can you talk to me about both those? And also, by the way, to do an event on top of all the other things you do is not something you go like, Hey, what what's something really fun that is not stressful at all that I really want to sign up for? Why did you do this? <laughs> That's funny. How many events a year do you do, bro? Like fourteen at this point? Literally, and I was just looking at it today. So we have for twenty twenty three, and this is a quote unquote slow year. We have uh, what is this? Where is this at? One, two, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. We have twelve, and we're already two down. So we have ten more to go, bro. That's insane, bro. Well, so respect to that. You're asking me about one event. Let's try a fucking 12. Um, yeah, so I, I got two things. Okay. I got the agency founders event. 
uh, and I got the agency secret letters. So the agency secret letters um, actually yeah. came after the event. So uh, the purpose of the event itself, I'm in a lot of groups for agencies. Um, the problem is a lot of them are just um, very transactional. Uh, they're very uh, usually usually lower level um, type findings, um, and it's not really challenging or pushing the agenda. And it's also not being really transparent. People never talk about like their problems. Numbers. They don't talk about their yeah. bottom lines. They don't talk about the things that like you that really progress a relationship forward when you guys are trying to better each other in the business world. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, you know what? Let me just take this risk upon myself with my business partner Ashton Shanks from Human from Human Media, um, and uh, we basically said, what if we created a community where we could get these high level people all in a room, but also have transparent conversations, also be vulnerable with each other, just create a higher level community that it's okay to tell each other the answers to the problems that you've solved. Uh, cause I feel like a lot of people hold those answers sure. and SOPs and things like a squirrel with nuts in a tree, you know, as opposed to planting those seeds and allowing other people to grow and give back okay. as well. So, uh, I think that was the main reason I just wanted to create a community that was high level that reciprocated value as opposed to just seeking it all the time. Um, so, uh, you know, would you say you have that feeling from attending the event? You guys have been to two of them. Nick, you speak, Josh, you've spoken. Yeah. Josh, what do you, what's your thoughts on this? Cause I have my thoughts for sure. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, Eddie, you know, I've known each other for, for quite a while now and it's always been a, uh, arms open uh, invitation to pretty much, pretty much anything, uh, involved with your agency. What I love about, uh, what I've, what I've learned, especially from you is, you know, gatekeeping isn't necessarily the best way to to go about business. It's like people will uh, people will either take stuff from you, or you can just freely give it to them. And and uh, at the end of the day, like you know, they're going to have to put in the activity to actually get to the level that you're at, right? And I think that's something that I've learned from you is no matter what people take from me, they still have to put in the same level of activity. And if they put in the same level of activity, then it's someone that I probably want to be associated with. But if they don't put in the same level of activity, they're not even going to come close to competing with me, right? Yeah. So that's what I love about Eddie. So he's like, hey, man, here's the book. Here's the training. Here's exactly how we do it. You could try and replicate it, right? But you're going to have to put in this level of activity. And that's one thing that I've always admired about Eddie is is he's always putting in the extra hours, the extra effort uh, to to make sure that his stuff is always top notch. So I've always appreciated about that. Appreciate it, bro. About that, Eddie. Yeah. Thanks, fun. I think the I think the the biggest elements the biggest elements around this stuff too is when it's relative. It needs to be like it needs to be <clears throat> the the content and the topics need to be timely. And oftentimes, that I the more and more I learn about this, more and more I'm, at, I'm interviewing people. The more and more I go to these events or host my events, it's really difficult for people to think about the type of questions to ask to get the answer that they actually need. And it's really hard. For that topic, like if you come to an event, you're like, look, I'm hoping to solve these core problems or these group of problems. And you might not, the, the, the present, the presenter or the audience might not know the type of questions to prompt. And so it's really, it's really on the host and it's really on the initial community to kind of get those answers out of them. And I felt that's what, what did it for me. Like, that's why I liked it. That's why I like, look, I will always bring something new. I will always be there on time. I'll always make sure I take I take this really serious. Like speaking for me is like, it's a, it's a game. It's like, that's my arena. Like I get my prep day. I get my travel day. I get my, my, my meal before I have my presentation, my practice. And I get on stage and I do it. Like I really take this more serious than most people. Um, but 
in doing that, it's allowed me to know like there's specific things that people need to feel comfortable with asking. And when you get into a room when it's 200, 300, 400 people, you're not fucking raising your hand and being like, yo, I got a lawsuit with one of my employees. Like no one's doing that. No one's going to go do that. But at agency founder, like you're listening to people have real conversations, not even just the agency founder, but just like the community that's coming around this and the one that you're kind of curating. People are, like, I remember I had four conversations and it was about the time you spend with like your wife or the time you spent with your husband, or it was like, well, when I get home, like I need to get off the computer and I got to go do X, Y, Z. Like that, it wasn't what tactics are you using to get leads. It was very real around the people. And I think that's when you know you've done something correct by creating an environment for people to talk about personal things at a business venture. I appreciate that, man. Yep. Um, more to come for sure. This is only the start, but this community is impossible without people like you guys at the end of the day. You know, Nick, like you said, you show up. Josh shows up in a big way every single year. Um, I, I appreciate people like you coming around this and, and pushing that forward. You know, if everyone wanted to push against supporting each other in this case, you know, we'd never be able to build the community that we do. Um, so forever grateful. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's agency founders. Uh, go ahead. Were you going to say something? Yeah. Well, I want to talk about the topic that you went over last time was on the sales team building the processes around this. Um, that this. Why do you think at the at the stages of one to five, five to 10, 10 to 15 range, that process is not necessarily built out. Is it like, why, why, why did you feel strongly about this topic? Um, I, I think here's the problem is, um, you know, I'll tell you the, I'll tell you the whole story actually. So I built an Please. entire presentation on, uh, team building. Cause that's what I love. I love team building. I love operations. And, um, the entire presentation that you saw me present, I wrote it in, a 24 hour period prior to the actual presentation itself. Oh my God. I finished it 42 minutes before the presentation. Uh, and the crazy part was I did it. <laughs> and here's why. So, uh, I, I, the first day I asked people for some like, Hey man, what are you most excited to hear about? And I knew all the speakers topics, right? So I knew mine was going to be team building. And, uh, I was on day two and people were like, oh man, I can't wait. I'd love to hear someone sales. I'd love to hear. And I'm like, dude, but you guys hear sales everywhere. Like you hear sales, but, the, but dude, like you close bigger people, you close like better people. Like it's not just the typical sales stuff we understand. Oh, like boy. there's something different. You got to put that in, in writing. There's got to be a way to teach that. So, uh, as you know, we did podcasts till like 3am every day. I woke up at 5:30 both days so that I could bang out a couple hours of writing 200 slides in time for my presentation and um, oh my yeah the morning of I woke up at 5 30 again and I finished at like 12 15 or something like that and like the AV team was like where the hell is your presentation like give me a 15 minute break please you know what I mean <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I insane. actually wrote that last minute and it was just by customer feedback you know everyone wanted sales so I said let me put something together and uh and make sure I deliver on it dude you were on stage you so, literally funny had, story uh, I've never said that you got like 20, 20 to, I think it was when I counted, because I was counting all the questions. I judged the success of a talk by the amount of questions that are consistently asked. And I think you had the most at 12 questions that kept it going for another like, hey, get the fuck off the stage moment. And then we went <laughs> into small group. And it's it, it's it's just an interesting thought process around the 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 people needed for the sales and, and the offers that are needed to sell and, and cross sell. Even us as the agency we're going through this right now. We don't have it. We don't technically have a downsell, or we don't technically have the ability to take the lead that's supposed to come in and close at the 6,500, 7,500 for paid or for email, right? We, we, we supposedly have that flow, but we don't know where to put it down or we don't, 
we don't have an offer that we built for that. Have you thought through that process yet? Yeah, so I, uh, I actually went and acquired an agency to fulfill that process. So uh, we had an agency that was in our coaching program. And uh, we always like rate our students and we always vote their team as like the most committed, the ones that show up the most, the ones that ask the best questions. And we we're just very impressed by the level of dedication that they had to the craft itself. Yeah. Uh, they just didn't necessarily know how to grow a business. Um, and so I said to myself, you know what, if I could take all these people that we're saying no to, uh, and I could sell them a $2,500 to $3,000 product a month per platform, uh, I think we could really build a massive business. Um, so I actually uh, acquired them last year. Um, Is and, it the European you know, team? European team. And I think you might have yeah. met them at the event yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they're looking forward to seeing you uh, in Dubai as well. They're like, oh, can't wait to see Nick. They're going to say hi. Um, Heck yeah. But uh, <laughs> but those guys are awesome. So we we acquired them and, you know, the deal is pretty public. So like we, we did it with zero dollars. Um, our business, our main business now owns 70% of that business. They have a split on the 30% uh, and they get paid a very nice salary more than they were making for themselves beforehand. Um, yeah. and yeah, now they are our downsell. Uh, but we're very transparent with our clients. We say we have Atlanta, we have London. Here's the differences. You're getting a difference in price because there's a difference in labor. Quality is still top notch. I'm not going to tell you that it's a hundred percent equal, but it's, it's in yeah. the 90th percentile equal in quality to what you're gonna expect here. And you just expect a different time zone uh, and people being in Europe rather than Atlanta. And if you're okay with that, I think your business is a better fit for this product. And uh, guess what our average ticket value is on London per client? Yeah, I, I would say 2,500. No, 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 I would say it's five to six Gs. 6.5K. Yeah, 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 wow. yeah, yeah. Because now this person can afford two and a half services on average as opposed to one because one facebook media buying is not the key to growing a business that's just a fact it's a it is just a source of attention and eyeballs that feed the machine that grows the business right so um a lot of times you need the retention side as well as the ad side you need the conversion rate optimization side as well as the ad side and so people are following two and a half services on average at six and a half k total on our downsell which ends up being the same as what one service would have been on the other one. So yeah. they end up paying the same, but just getting more. And so it's been, it's been an amazing, amazing addition. That business uh, will probably end the year just based on the pace they're going at like 500, 600 K a month. Uh, and they were like literally nothing True before that. Long. You know what I mean? So big move. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. What criteria do you kind of put these prospects through in order to say, Hey, these guys go to London. These guys go to Atlanta. Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, it's very situational. So uh, we don't, uh, it's it's crazy how your business changes over time, right? The more um, secure you feel, the more aggressive you can become in your demands before the sale. Um, so we don't actually let anyone work with us, even if they just want to, even if they can pay us and they can give us money uh, until we audit their business. And yeah. based on the audit of their business, uh, we, we take into account their total revenue, what their actual profit is based on their OPEX, cost of goods, et cetera. Um, and then we play into a fact like, okay, if we charge this much per service, based on what we see, like email, for example, can, if we took over email, we can see like a 50 K lift, right. From email. That's, that's an Atlanta service for sure. Cause we can justify a $6,000 retainer, $7,000 retainer for email to generate $50,000 of revenue. You get what I'm saying? 
Yep. Uh, if yeah. if we look at it and we say, look, based on what we can do, we're not going to see more than a $14,000 lift a month probably because of the numbers that you currently have. We need to grow this business. You're probably, it doesn't make sense for you to pay half that in a retainer. Let's go to London at $3,000 a retainer. Uh, and then we'll be able to generate that 15K of revenue extra and it'll be a positive ROI for you. And as we grow the business, it'll only become more profitable. Um, and we're making our decisions based on that. So sometimes, for example, someone might say, dude, I'll gladly pay you 10 grand for two services in Atlanta. But based on the business we look at, hey, listen, dude, honestly, you need like these four services to be able to have success based on all these things going on in your business. Um, and we feel like it's best to have four. We suggest that we start with four on London as opposed to these two on Atlanta, even though I know that's what you want. You know what I mean? Uh, within the same price range. So we're trying to make it fit based on what's truly best for them. And I think the problem in the agency space is too many people um, as sales teams and as owners are looking at like what the ROI is right now of, of this relationship uh, as opposed to the future. And I would much rather someone pay me less for way longer than slightly more for way less. Uh, way less time. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And uh, even us, we audited our, our business. This is really cool if you guys haven't done this. We audited our business and we divided everyone based on the day they signed up, how many retainers did they sign up for? So how many services did they sign up for at the same time? And anyone that signed up for one or two had a lifetime value uh, of time. So their churn was basically lower than, eight, uh, lower than I don't know what it is, seven, six percent, whatever it is, a year, right? They're, they're, they lasted more than a year with us when they signed up with one or two services. When they signed up for three or more services, they lasted less than eight months. And the reason was it was too heavy of a retainer on the front before we were able to see that value. We made a pivot uh, Q4 last year to encourage our sales team to only sell two as opposed to three. Um, and by doing so, uh, we've kept our clients longer. We've kept them happier. And they all eventually upgraded to three or four services. Uh, but it was just not loading that uh, financial load on the front end of the first few months allowed us to make a financial impact to justify that lift. And now we keep them for way longer. It's just a better relationship. The crazy thing about this is like we we talked about this and that so a lot of people, this was literally my presentation. Uh, it's like the five by three can't leave me thing. If you are, if someone is paying you consistently five figures for three months, any, even even at times two months, there's like this feeling inside where they're like, I don't want to pay this. I shouldn't be paying this. Even if you're making them a bunch of money, even if mm -hmm. you are doing what you said you were going to do, what they agreed that you'd be doing, and it's and they just can't they can't justify having that cash leave their company and that it's not being invested in an internal team or employee that you are making this money on. And it's, it's, it blows my mind in this age space being just, I'm almost 10 years in and it has never been different and it will never change. The granted, granted we aren't dealing with fortune 100, fortune 500 companies where we are just a line item. Like we are dealing with companies where the, we're oftentimes second, third, most expensive uh, overhead here. I don't know if there's a way to get around this or if you just go, okay, fuck it, just go out market and then you don't have to deal with these problems. But even, part of me says, it's just gonna be a whole new set of different problems once we get to that size. Yeah, there's definitely a whole new set of problems once we get to that side for sure. Um, I mean, for me, we do a we we've done a really good job recently justifying the the payment as much as possible on a spreadsheet to a client. So every month, not only do we re report to the client, including our retainer, 
uh, in their bottom line and everything else that's changed and show them the net net of their business, like month one with us, two, three versus month negative one, negative two, whatever. Uh, but our team is making those judgments internally too. So like, you know, sometimes as an agency owner, you're scared to face all the problems and the truths of an account yeah. uh, because you just don't want to like dig sometimes. Uh, we really, really, um, how do you call it? Like push and encourage our team to do so. All our reports include our retainer in it. Our entire team knows what every client pays us. Um, and they understand that in the sheets and the reporting. So when they tell us, Hey man, I spent 20 K and I got a two X ROAS. That's great. But like we agreed the minimum number that we need to be generating in money from ad spend is, you know, a hundred K of revenue a month in order for us to cover the OPEX and our retainer. And so anytime you're below that, I don't really care what your results are. The business loses money. And so we're just very transparent upfront about those with our team and the client, which, you know, justifies justifies that expense a lot more as a client you have to be like i mean sadly you have to be really ignorant to like not understand that if i'm giving yeah. it to you in a very clear financial format you know what i mean no I, I do know what you mean on this and this is this is the hard part and before you even get them to I, and i love the process because i remember what you were the form that these brands or partners not just brands but just partners in general have to fulfill before they even become a part of like the four media group I want to ask a couple of questions around like that intake that the prep before to know that they can be successful with you right after we get a little bit of this ad break in here. So give me two seconds, guys. See you in a second. Cool. And we are back. So this it's one thing to understand. It's one thing like it's one thing to understand what needs to be done to keep the client to kind of have them like feel comfortable with being inside your system, the full transparency around what, but there's another thing of knowing before the client kind of comes into you if they're going to be successful or not. And I, and I allegedly, allegedly I heard that when a brand comes in or a partner comes in, not necessarily have to be right, it could be a personal brand, it could be a real brand, whatever. When they come into you, this intake form of validating that they are who they say they are, they, they can produce what they say they can produce is a little bit more unique than, than even our intake side. So I'm, I'm very curious on when a new brand comes through or somebody's, you know, they got sold or they came through one of your organic or paid channels. What is that like initial validation on their end they have to kind of go through to be a four media brand or client? Yeah, so uh, we have a pretty extensive uh, 30 page document <laughs> uh, that is required to be filled out by the brand um, to the point that like our team will like literally tell them we have to postpone the call until you finish this document. Um, oh my God. So uh, it's it's very important because like, here's the thing. Uh, there's two ways to treat business, right? I can either like sit here and like ask you little questions along the way forever, or I can get as many of them answered up front day one. So that I have all this data and never have to bother you again for at least like 60 to 90 days about these questions that I know I'm going to need. Yeah. Uh, and we've just been doing it long enough to know what questions the copy team is going to ask in 30 days and 60 days, what questions the email team is going to ask all these other questions. And luckily there's a giant pool of common questions, right? Like COGS, um, OPEX, things like that, that need to be known for every department. Um, so we just need to know as much as possible. And one of our core values is, uh, thanks to Josh uh, telling me that I need core values when I uh, paid him to consult me a few years ago. Uh, one of our core values is um, hard work beats talent, but planning beats hard work. Uh, and that's something that we really stick to. And, um, you know, we used to rush our onboarding process because someone pays us money. We're like, we're going to get ads live as quickly as possible. We're going to send an email. 
like all these yeah. things and so um now we've changed the expectations and said like listen dude like we could sit here and just recklessly start turning on shit in your company or we could learn as much as we possibly can in a 10-day period uh provided you allow us to get that information from you uh and then we're prepped and you know we're two months ahead in integration of understanding your brand um as opposed to sitting here and like doing unnecessary revisions and i don't like this headline it doesn't represent us and all these little things that just take so much bandwidth away from the relationship and cause friction i'd rather handle all those up front um, and so that's why we do that process and you can tell the clients who have the most success you go back to their onboarding forms and they're 40 pages long because they wrote so much stuff and the ones that have the least are ones that like half ass the sentence into a paragraph answer um, and it, it goes to show with the performance of the account long term and how well our team knows them as a business. This and John, I'm sure you have a couple of thoughts on this one, but this is so interesting. What what is there? Because for us, we have like we do the audit, we have a couple of back and forth. We would make sure that we can actually make sense. We can actually win here. They have the cash to do this or afford this. They have new products coming out. One thing that I think we ask that is a little bit unique than the others is how consistently are you? What is like your process of launching new products or collaborations coming on the pipeline? Because we know on paid that is one of the most unique drivers of LTV or most unique drivers of like initial offers coming forward. Do you think you have one or two questions that you'd share that be like, most people don't ask these things? I'm just trying to think out of the box right yeah. here. I mean, um, you have so many, so many of these questions anyways. Oh man, I, I like don't even have one off the top of my head that's like so unique and out of the box because it's stuff that like you actually end up asking a brand within 60 days of just having a normal relationship. like. Like, hey, I totally forgot to mention, like, you know, what is the, uh, like, I guess, I guess kind of what you're talking about is important. Like launch schedule, like that is something that we ask in those upfront when we launch a product in the future or when we do a sale, what does that look like for you in the past? And what do you expect it to look like in the future? Uh, and we even have like a promotion sheet that we have and we, we expect them to post the rest of the year's promotional dates that they have planned to the end of the year and you'd be surprised how many people don't and they just kind of play it by year per holiday per month oh, yeah. uh, and we force that on them from the first week we say okay cool let's plan this out here's all the major holidays based on your brand and what um, vertical it's in we assume these are other holidays or days that are important as well do we want to run sales if so let's plan them from now we can always call an audible a month before but like it's nice for us to know what the actual promotion offer schedule is going to be for the future so we can start yeah. planning ahead and always being ahead of the game. So that's something I think pretty unique that we do. I don't know how many other people force the client to actually give them that entire schedule as opposed to just being like, do we have any upcoming sales? No, I think there's, I think that's something that gets into, I don't think they do it at the beginning, but I think that gets into, hey, we're signing on in March. Are you participating in XYZ typical American holidays? And then you go like, oh, cool, it's planned. Like that's usually how it, how it goes. But up front, it, it does make sense. But then, then you kind of just realize if they don't have the right answers to this, you're like, dude, you are not as sophisticated or you are not the level that we should have had at the begin with. Or they're really like, hey, I don't know what I'm doing. And then you usually kind of offer them more services. At least that's some of the experiences that we've gone through. Yeah. And if anything, dude, it gains respect from the client of like, wow, look at all the things that I don't have in check. You know, a lot of the times... um, I always tell people this, and this is something I think I even said on my sales speech, especially with high level people, there's a massive difference between saying you should do this versus have you ever tried this or have you ever done this? It's the same. You can, you can get the same question across the board. Uh, but the second one makes it feel almost like they are participating with you in thinking about the idea as opposed right. to the first one, you being something that it forces on. 
And by the end of the conversation, they have a different level of mutual respect for you because they understand all the shortcomings of ideas and things that they didn't even have prior to your conversational relationship together. And so it elevates the status of you and your team in their eyes because of all the things that you pointed out that are deficiencies in the business without saying this is wrong. Just saying, hey, do you guys have a sheet that has this? No, we don't. Oh, okay, cool. You know, and they're like, fuck, we need a sheet that does this. You know what I mean? Um, so it kind of starts putting things in perspective sometimes. And I think that's why it's important to ask those up front. 100%. When you guys are doing those intake, intake forms, 30 pages, how are you guys digesting that across the team? Is there like certain segments that go to certain parts of the team? Uh, do you guys like do like these like group puddles and it, like the person, the people that are working on that account, like you guys have to like dissect the 30 pages together. I'm curious, like you have all of this information. What do you do with it? Yeah, so uh, it's in sections. So there's um, there's like a main section, which is probably like eight pages, uh, which everyone needs to be involved in. That's like, and again, it's not all text, you know, it's like charts, uh, multiple choice check boxes. You know what I mean? There's like so many different ways that we've tried to format it to be the easiest. Uh, but like, for example, Amazon team only needs to look at their five pages. You know what I mean? Copy yep. team, probably the most extensive because they're going to be doing in-depth copy. Uh, and certain people, like the strategist, the project manager, and the copywriter are all required to read everything that they need to before uh, the first client call. And the team has an hour-long call before the first client call where those people are debriefing everyone on the 30 pages. Here's all the key Jeez. findings. I took my notes. Here's the important things that we need to know coming into this relationship so that there's a smooth handoff from sales to us, sales to onboarding document to us. Um, and then they're essentially debriefing the entire team so that then they fresh, they show up on the client call right after and everyone like knows everything about the brand and the client's like, wow, these guys like already studied before we even started. So, uh, it's a really good way to like give that justification that the client made the right decision to work with us after the intake. So then let's think about, you have the intake coming in. That was super lengthy. And instead of talking about like the retention area, I feel, I feel confident in how you're maintaining and how you're getting the updates, how the team is running. Is there anything if it's offboarding? If there's something where, hey, clearly not a good fit. We totally understand. We can call it a day. Are you doing like a, like a post mortem each time? Or if not, do you have a unique way of going back of like why didn't this work? Yeah. So we're supposed to call. Uh, we call them like incident reports. Uh, okay. So we do incident reports in our company every time um, a client has like a serious issue, uh, or a client is not a good fit, and we have to offboard or um, an employee causes some sort of situation specifically, but a third party client success manager comes in um, and audits the entire scenario so that it's like a non-biased opinion. Uh, they put like the main causes of the problem. They mm -hmm. put the screenshots of like evidence that these were causes of the problem and where they were able to find that. Um, and then they put together like very thorough description of the problem, but also like how to avoid this moving forward and the exact steps that need to be taken by each role, not person, role moving forward in the company to avoid those things happening. Uh, and then everyone on that team signs off on that document together, agreeing that this is like a fair evaluation of what this is. We call them like incident reports in our team. I think even on ours, when we do a debrief or we think through, I think the the funny thing that, or not the funny thing, the, the thing that we should have been doing or should have known this you have to have someone that's not close enough to the scene, dude. You have to have somebody that has, you know, no, they're, they're familiar. They got the, the general takeaway of what's happening, but they shouldn't be the core person on the account or even at the admin where they're not necessarily executing, but they're close enough. Fully fresh eyes. That's that's interesting. I didn't think 
I didn't think to do that, but it makes total sense to do this. Yeah, it's like, you know, when you go to buy a business, you're not going to trust the people who you're buying the business from to audit and give you an evaluation themselves. You're going to bring a third party in because there's a non-biased opinion and they're just going to look at the hard facts and everyone can give their opinion and their story, but it's up to someone to be able to pull it all together in a way that doesn't favor one side or the other. I think something that I've heard from you as well, Eddie, that you guys do on your team is an export, of, especially on like the ad side, export of all the changes that you guys have made inside <laughs> of ad accounts. I think it's one of the most gangster moves uh, of just like leaving your your now past client with, hey, here's actually all the work that we did inside of the ad accounts. Are you guys still doing that? Uh, yeah, so uh, we take it a step further. Um, we uh, basically have a client ClickUp profile for every client. And the team is required to make daily updates to all the clients in their pod uh, whenever they do anything in the account. So even if there's like a side conversation with a client, the team is supposed to supposed to document what the conclusions of that side conversation was. So for example, even yesterday, client calls me, we FaceTime, we chat about a couple strategies for 20, 30 minutes. I finish, I go into ClickUp and I'm leaving like a bullet pointed update of all the things we talked about on the call. Uh, and what the next steps as a team are, et cetera. Uh, when clients don't show up to calls, we document that, all that stuff. It's in one ClickUp profile on the comments, uh, and you can just hit one button and export every single comment from every single day ever. Um, and so, like, any, it's it's just, like, activity log in a way, right, but by people actual manually inputting them. Uh, so it's really interesting because you can scroll through as a client. You could be, like, so many times clients are like, oh, you did this, and then I'll literally scroll up in the activity log to, like, the day and time, and I'll be like, I literally have a note here. You checked it off on Slack. Here's the link. Like, you told us this, this, this. You you said this, and we documented it, and we agreed. So I don't know what what you want me to tell you. And so um, some people respect that. Some people think, like, some people's ego get in the way, and they're like, I'm the business owner. I shouldn't be told if I'm wrong or not, even if they hard facts are. Uh, but that's not the kind of people we want to work with. We want to work with the people that understand, like, not to use this word in a weird way, but like they need to kind of be submissive to our team's opinions in a way because like we understand what we're doing and uh, you didn't just fork a fuck ton of money for us to like, for you to just still tell us what to do every time. Like we want you to contribute your opinion. We want to collaborate together, but like you shouldn't always be making every decision at that point, just like hire someone in house and manage them yourself. You know what I mean? You think that when you get to a point where you're at now, how, how good the team is, how big the team is, the changes that we might have, because I want to take it to where I, I know we're, we're closing up, up on time. In the movements that you've had from 2021 to 2022, and now we're sitting in 2023, are there anything that you're prepping for, planning for, or just going like, look, we have we have who we need, we have the teams, we have the offers, where it's just straight sailing, or are you trying to prep in any sort of direction, whether for, for more or for less as the year continues on? Yeah, so... Um... We are scaling on the e-com side. I think we have our things uh, well enough. Uh, you know, it took us a, co- a couple years to just accept the fact that churn is a part of this business. Um, we would always like, I, this is something I talked about in my speech, is like, we're always, sometimes we're so focused on defense that we neglect offense, uh, which is okay because the way to build the proper agency is to have really good fulfillment and all these things. But I can't, I, the, me just playing defense does not allow me to go acquire really good talent, which therefore increases my results anyways and decreases churn. But I can only reduce churn so much. Like how much impact is it going to make on my business if my churn is at 6% that, um, how, like how much of an impact am I going to make by reducing churn? Like 1% on the yeah. entire business? You know what I mean? Like 
Like yeah. even if I just turn by 25%, I'm going to move the business by 1%. Like what can I do on the, on the sales side? And so I feel like we're good enough at the inside part and the fulfillment and the communication part. I'm not saying profitability that could be higher for sure. And always can, and, but like, we're really focused on scaling sales. And if there's a pivot that we're making, I wouldn't call it a pivot. Uh, but in addition, we, we added info products and courses um, yeah. to our, to our business in, uh, July last year as a service, we've done it before, but it wasn't, it was something we kind of stepped away from. I felt like it was a big opportunity and all our deals are profit share. Uh, and that's been the most profitable department in our company. And it's only six months old. Uh, and it nets more revenue nor more profit than the entire business does, honestly. Um, and it's a team of 10 people and we bring in more profit than, uh, for all I know, any agency doing a million dollars a month or less, I bring more profit in from just my info team of 10 people uh, than their entire agency. Um, and that's been an awesome pivot. And the crazy part is I've never posted it once. I've never ran an ad once. Uh, the results are just so good that all these guys talk to each other. Um, and we're like, I, I don't take on more than two clients a month. Um, and we're booked out all the way till June at this point in like down payments uh, for that pod. Uh, and I'm building my second pod right now for that. Um, and that's been a massive pivot. And I mean, oh, you were with me in Cali when we did like a webinar launch for one product. I can't, I'm not gonna really going to say who. You were at lunch and you literally were like, holy shit, this is, he did not expect we got to get him back on. It was crazy to hear. Yeah, yeah. And, and we did like, by the time we finished breakfast that day, uh, we had done $1.4 million of revenue. So um, like, insane. And, you know what I mean? Like in, in like on a digital product with no cost of goods, no shipping errors, everyone received the product in a second. Um, so once we tapped into that area, we knew our skill sets were able to go there and scale. And the problem with e-commerce at scale, I can't really take a percent of revenue or profit share in any way because you're, there's so many variables like shipping costs, like uh, supplier issues, supplier delays, change of cost of goods in general, uh, yeah. OPEX warehouse costs. Like there's just so many things on the e-com side, dude, if I, if I take you from $1 million a month right now to $4 million next month, you have no logistical problems whatsoever. Like maybe some more support tickets. That's it. That's about where it stops. Uh, and so I'm allowed to take a percent, maybe a couple coaches, couple coaches. Exactly. But like nothing that's like, no, really going to break your business in any sort. No, this dude, the funny thing is you bringing this up. Cause we we're we're in a position where our goal is 14 million this year. Like we're pacing to 14. Our goal last year was to hit 14, how to do the acquisitions, how to get rid of the people. Like we had to do a lot of things to re regroup on where profitability was. And so now we're realigning. We're like, okay, if the goal is actually 14 this year, we're pacing forward now, and we're we're almost done with February. We're say like close to the end of Q1. What what is the additional thing that we're looking at? And so we've had two conversations with two really smart people. One, we we sat and chatted chat with Jordan Menard, and he's like, dude, similar to you on your info side, he goes, brother, we're we're able to build the team, run it at a loss pool, or run an affiliate play with either Giddy Up or Square Dance or DFO or whoever. Just straight make whatever we have, split it with the actual uh, network themselves. And then we talked to Fisher, Nick Fisher, where we acquired his e-com side. And he was like, brother, we're, we're building out these offers in this other other space. It's all info. And they're able to take such a large rip and they manage all the back end. They just have to make sure they fulfill. And I'm sitting here going, like, dude, I don't know how it's going to look to a, a eventual acquire. Like, if that happens, God bless us. That's 
one of the goals we have, but the diversification of so many different service offerings, if you're building it in a way to eventually exit or leave it, is it advantageous to have a concentration, not, not a concentration of one or two clients, but a concentration of a discipline that you're trying to serve? How do you think about that manner? I split things in my business completely separate. I don't know if this is the answer to the question that you're looking for, but like, are, are you saying like from, from a discipline standpoint, like how do I keep the team aligned on kind of what we're doing? Is that not a discipline in, in the, so for, for what I know about you and your business, we have info, we have actual local, local home and auto, right. And then we have e-commerce and you're not afraid to dabble in all these spaces. But as an, as Sam, Sam looking to position myself to be acquired by XYZ agency, they're going to look at me like, awesome. They have different services, but they still service a client that we want a part of our portfolio. Yeah. Yeah. So here's the thing. The way I've built my companies is every one of those is a different entity that's owned by the main holding company. So I can always offset or sell a piece of the pie as opposed to the total pie. So like yeah. if someone came in and wanted to buy my um, party business right now, my events business, uh, they could come in and purchase that entity in itself. Uh, the advantage of, of being a part of this holding group as agencies that get acquired is that your um, your multiple is way higher. You know what I mean? If you're working sure. with us as an agency and we're doing, let's say, $20 million a year, um, that is a much more valuable business from a multiple side than your business that does you know, $1 million a year. And so just having a portion of that gives you a 6x instead of a 1.5, 2x on your business uh, it's worth even more. So it's advantageous for people to join that way. And from an exit standpoint, if we want to sell, I can always sell pieces. So I can sell my entire business, leave the info pod, and I could sell everything else off and just cash flow on the info pod uh, or vice versa. Um, so it doesn't really matter who the buyer is. But I'll tell you this, uh, if I was a buyer and I was going to buy an agency, I would rather buy an agency who's profitable in like five different divisions than just one because I carry way less risk as a buyer, if something happens to that uh, industry or vertical, whatever it is, uh, I could lose all my clients uh, as opposed to being profitable in six individual departments. One goes down, I still have 80% of my revenue in the business. Um, and so it makes it a lot safer of a purchase regardless. And honestly, Nick, these lead gen, the local businesses, uh, dude, it is just such an easier game to play at scale. Like I wow. was talking to my wife about this yesterday. I'm like, we really built like one of the hardest businesses to build. Like we have employees in 22 different countries. We have to maintain their time zones, their holidays, all the things that they have. Then on an e-commerce side, it's not like e-commerce is like one thing. We have to service apparel brands. We have to do cosmetics. We have to do supplement brands. You know, we have to do so many different art and decor. Like there's just so many different things that we have to service between the variables of our employees and the variables of our clients we are doing like one of the hardest things ever. Like if we just started a local business, there's no way that it wouldn't be the easiest shit we've ever done in our life. You know what I mean? So I think you know, about perspective there as well. I think about this every single day of like, why did we do this? And then also I, re then I realized in the second answer is I just think we just love pain. I think you just love pain. I think Josh loves pain. I think I love pain. <laughs> I think, I think we're just bored. It used we're, to be easier I, too. Bro. Oh my God. Okay. I, Eddie, it used I to be talk way easier. I don't want to, I don't want to take up too much more of your brother. I, I'm so grateful for you sharing your, we're going to do a part two, hundred percent. There's so many things that we need to go through on this area. Um, and I'm grateful for your time, your, your brain and, and your, your, your actual, your care for this industry as much as I know Josh and I have for it. Uh, it's been so much, it, it changed my life. And I know for a fact it's, it's made your life 
very fulfilled. I appreciate that, man. Thank you for having me on this show. Uh, this was a fucking awesome conversation. Definitely going to share it with everyone as soon as it comes out because this was, I think, really valuable from both ends. And, and uh, you know, hopefully we'll do it again. Eddie, where, where can we get a hold of you? Where can we find you, man? Instagram, Eddie Malouf. Just make sure you type it right because there's a lot of there's them. There's a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> and if you do follow Eddie, he will not sell you crypto or anything else. I promise you that. Yeah, yeah. If I'm selling you crypto, get out ASAP. That's not me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys. I appreciate yeah, you guys. You know where to find iTunes on Spotify on all the places. Uh give your boys a couple of votes, some some kind words, and we'll catch you guys next time on the agency algorithm. Peace.